Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter. And we have been doing this little ditty called Solid Steps Radio now for about going on four years. And four years ago, we sat around and um, Kurt came to me and said, hey, I think we should do a radio show. And I said, hey, that sounds like a great idea to me. And we decided we wanted to do a show for, for men as the main audience, that we were talking to men, that we were having the voice of men. And we have... I have always have a lady come up to us and go, you know, not always, but there's regularly a woman come up and goes, I love your show. I know I'm not supposed to listen. I go, no, 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 you can listen. It's it's great. Anybody can listen, but we just want to talk to guys as our main audience. So uh, if you're listening for the very first time, thank you for listening. Uh, we, uh, we want to talk about things for men, by men. And we know that as guys, we can talk about sports, weather, and politics really easily, but sometimes talking about the more important things of life. Uh, we believe here at Solid Steps Radio that you are fulfilling your destiny as a man or a woman, but as a man, if you are walking with God through Jesus Christ. We believe that's true, and we believe that that is the, the starting the definition of base foundation of what manhood is. So it's Father's Day weekend when we're taping this. I don't know when you're going to hear this. It could air anytime, but as we tape it, it's Father's Day weekend. And, uh, you know, when you start talking about the story of God in in and from the in the Bible, the father son relationship is is one of those relationships that is pretty um, pretty important to God because He's a father and He's son and Holy Spirit. So today we're talking about a friend of mine in studio of ours who's uh, got a great father son story. But his father son story starts with an earthly father who pointed him in the direction that later on in his father after even after he passed away, he looks back and realizes that his earthly father when fathering him, pointed him to a heavenly father that is now fathering him. So yeah, you know, Chad, what I love about this show is that we get to talk about stories, stories that God is writing in the hearts and uh, of men's lives. And we just get to talk about what God's up to. You know, I, it reminds me of uh, Philippians when Paul is writing, he says, he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And so Adam, uh, God has been writing your story, and it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's really good to be on your show. It's uh, it's a delight uh, to have you. And so you, um, let's just jump into your story. You've, you've been married to Shelly for how long? For 21 years now. 21. She's put up with you. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you've got two kids. and uh, Yeah, i got an 18-year-old uh, Caleb and a uh, uh, 15-year-old Grace. Nice biblical names. <laughs> yes. So, okay, so, uh, so Adam, uh, you grew up in a preacher's home. I did. I did. That's really all that I knew was growing up in a preacher's home. Tell us a little bit about that. I really thought um, that my home is pretty much how everybody's home was. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, um, growing up in a preacher's home, that means that um, you didn't know where you are going to be from Sunday to Sunday. Um, now, if my dad happened to be pastoring a church, he was there most of the time, but um, he was just so popular as a preacher that uh, he was often called out of state, um, other places of the state, and of course, I'd go with him. You know, we'd be gone for a week at a time or a weekend at a time and got to know a lot of people, uh, hundreds and maybe even over thousands of people that we got to know. Our family sang as a group. My dad preached for people. We were just on the road all the time, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a great experience. So, And, and, and not only your dad— but, I mean, you come from a whole line of preachers. Tell, uh, tell us that. Yeah, so uh, my mom's dad uh, was a preacher, and my dad's dad uh, was a preacher. 
course, my dad was a preacher, and uh, both of my older brothers were preachers. Uh, so you can kind of see where this is going. <laughs> Apparently, but you didn't see where it was going, which is a funny part. Yeah, but you didn't want to become a preacher, right? Uh, no, actually, I didn't, because I saw what my dad and, and others went through as far as the care of the church, the responsibility, some of the heartaches of leadership, just a lot of things they went through. And and I really didn't want to be a preacher for that reason. And also, I kind of wanted to, you know, do my own thing. You know, maybe they're going to be a preacher. I'll go a different direction. But uh, it just wasn't God's plan. So, so um, you didn't want to become a preacher, but then... You became a preacher. I, I did, yeah. So what, ha- so what happened? So I was actually 16, and I remember laying in bed at night, and uh, I just kind of felt the calling on, on my heart. It just It's almost like it just came to me that I needed to go preach the Word. And, uh, of course, you know, I made up every excuse in the book um, to why I couldn't, why I wasn't able to. I fought it for about a year and a half, actually, of trying to figure out why I couldn't, every reason I couldn't. And uh, finally, I just got tired of fighting. The, the calling was like an ache in my heart. And uh, I, f- I realized he wouldn't call me because my dad was or anybody else was. But there was something he needed me individually to do. And uh, I mean, did you talk to your dad ab- and mom about this or not? Actually, no. Um, I, I kept that hidden. The only person I really talked to about it um, was my fiance at the, at the time, my wife. Uh, we weren't married yet, but I did talk to her about it, and uh, of course she said, you need to do what, what God's called you to do, and uh, and I remember um, uh, two or three days before I told the church, my dad found out when I told the church, and so I, uh, really? I was, yes, I was trying every way possible to get away from, I finally reached out to my, my brother, my middle brother, and uh, I talked to him about it, and because he was a preacher, and he said, "I know where you've been. I remember the calling. I remember how it felt. You just need to go tell it. You need to go tell people what's going on." Now, my dad had suspected some things because he had asked me a couple times, "Son, is there anything you need to talk to me about? You know, is everything okay? Need talking? I'm good. I'm good. Everything's fine. You know, obviously I wasn't." But I just was, if I didn't tell everybody, then maybe it would go away, you know, and maybe I wouldn't have to go this route if nobody knew. But once the cat was out of the bag, you know, so then you started preaching. That, well, that Sunday, uh, there was a Sunday I walked in. Uh, my wife, Shelly, my fiance at the time, she said I was white as a ghost when I walked in because I knew what I had to do. I knew I had to tell it that God had called me. And, uh, and I did announce it. And the funny thing was, my dad never act surprised. You know, he was like, oh, okay. He, he said, I knew, son. I knew what God was calling you to do. And uh, so that it was about a week later that my dad put me behind the pulpit for the first time. How and, old were you? Uh, I was uh, 18. 18. So you shared, I knew a little bit about your story. Uh, you shared with me that, so when most people think about growing up as a pastor's kid, mm-hmm. a preacher's kid specifically, right. Boy, that's a negative connotation. But when you talk about it, hey, 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 watch out there now. <laughs> the present company excluded, of course. But when you talk about it, you, you kind of light up. Like you, you really admired your dad. You didn't see yep. him acting one way, not perfect, but you yep. didn't see him acting one way on Sunday, but different at your home. Is that true? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, my dad was a preacher through and through, no matter where he was. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the same person inside the house as he was outside the house. Um, everything that he did, he did it with all of his ability. And uh, I remember going to churches where he would be, and people would come out of the woodworks to hear him preach. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, when he'd go to a church out of state, uh, the pastor would say, I've not seen as many people in, in a long time. Mm-hmm. They all come to hear him because he had such a good reputation. Um, he traveled everywhere. He, he ministered to people. He went to hospitals and visit. I mean, just so much that he did. 
he was just known all over the place. And I was proud to be his son. Uh-huh. You know, I was proud to go with him because, you know, this is Marshall. You know, this is my dad. And, you know, to be able to travel with him and to be able to share in, in that kind of a story, it was just an amazing thing for me. So, I mean, he really was incredibly influential in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, to, you know, especially when it comes to, to, to church and relationship, you know, as far as, as you know, studying the Word of God and, and understanding the Bible, uh, those are the kind of things that he taught me a lot about, and uh, I watched him. Did you, ha- um, did, did you have, like, devotions as a family together or not? You know, there was a lot of times we would, at night, uh, before we went to bed, we would we would read the Bible, and we'd read a chapter or two in the Bible, and uh, we would do that. But other than that, uh, we were in church a lot of times, four, five, six times a week. So that was our devotion. You, you had a drug problem. No. <laughs> <laughs> Overdose. You were drugged to church uh, all the time. So, But I, I enjoyed it. Now, did you? was your dad a vocational pastor, meaning he had another job, and then he preached on the weekends? How did that work? Yeah, actually, uh, he did work a full-time job along with that until he became uh, permanently disabled because of some back operations he had. So then he went pretty much in full-time into his ministry. Wow. And so you told me a story in the next couple, last couple of minutes here. You told me a story about how, and tell me what age this started, that you all would meet on a weekly basis to pray together. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, so this was, you know, towards, um, this, this was probably... Um, you know, back around uh, 2012, uh, right around that area, um, that, yeah, we'd start getting together. This is when I was real serious into preaching and pastoring, and uh, I looked up to him for a lot of direction and guidance, and uh, we'd meet together every Sunday. I had dinner with him and my mom every Sunday. My family did, and every Sunday we would walk over the Mm -hmm. hill. He had four acres of property. I'd walk over the hill to his pond that he had, and the whole way over there we'd talk scripture, we'd talk services, we'd talk whatever we're going through, we'd share with each other, and at the end of the trip at the pond we had a prayer place that was um, had a little a tree with a stump and a rock, and our names were car- our initials were carved in the tree. Me and my dad's initials were carved there. We prayed there every Sunday together, and then we talked on the way back. Sometimes we'd sing on the way back, hmm. but every Sunday for about two or three years there we did that. Wow, that's um, that's that's very cool. Yeah, I, that's uh, and so that's unique. So I, I don't think that happens to many kids, many sons, and their dads growing up. No. That's, that's pretty special. So we're going to take a break and come back in the next couple of segments because uh, Adam Huddleston is, is our guest. And Marshall Huddleston, we didn't mention the last name yet, but Marshall Huddleston was his dad. And he was a, a preacher in a certain denomination. But we're going to talk about in the next segment how as, as Adam's life changed uh, for, for the better, but during a, a, a great loss in his life. We talked about when he, when he loses his, his father, Marshall. So... We're going to come back in the next segment and see what happens, what God the Father was doing when his earthly father left him. And uh, we're going to talk more about that when we come back here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Souter. We're here with our friend Adam Huddleston, who's talking about the story of his father, Marshall, and and how he... Uh, as a preacher's kid growing up, fought being a preacher and, and how he entered into being a preacher uh, later on. And uh, if you are fighting your finances, you need to go maybe to Ellen and Credit Union. They will take care of you and your finances. They will help lead and guide you, whether it's commercial, business, uh, excuse me, commercial, private, savings, checking, credit cards, you name it. Ellen and Credit Union, home loans, car loans, they take care of everything. 
and they've been a staple in this community for years. So LNN Credit Union is a sponsor of our show, and they helped us us out here in this city for years. And then Vision First Eye Care. Vision First is a another organization. Everywhere you turn, there's a Vision First, it seems, and they are the best when it comes to taking care of your eye care. So if you have glasses, contacts, you just need some some sight and some vision. You can go to Vision First Eye Care, both of those folks sponsoring our show. So, okay, so Adams, you know, you start preaching at 18. That's like, that's pretty young, really. Yeah, well, that was actually the, the norm. There was a lot of people who were announcing their calling, you know, around 18, 19, 20 years old. So I didn't feel like that was out of the norm. So, uh, so and your two brothers, they're, they're, they're ahead of you. Yes. They're also preaching. Yes. Are, are they? Are you like? Are they traveling around pre- preaching like you started to do? Like, oh yeah. Like your dad. I mean, you no, there was there was a Huddleston in every corner of the state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we were all over the place. If we weren't pastoring somewhere, then my dad and all three of his brothers were somewhere preaching. And and uh, and so when you start at eighteen, your dad gives you the opportunity. He, he's pastoring the, at this church. Is that right? That's right. And then he says, "Okay, son, you're up." Is that, is that what happened? Oh, yeah. That's typically how it worked um, um, in our domination. When somebody announced their calling, they immediately were, were given the opportunity to stand up and do what God's called them to do. And so, yeah, within a week, I had to stand. And I think I stood for about 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he put me right on the spot. And, 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 and then, I mean, how long did it take you to start, I mean, like traveling? And preaching at other churches. Yeah, good question. So my dad traveled a lot. So um, now that there was another preacher on board in the family, he took me with him everywhere. And so there were times where I would preach with him uh, in a service. Um, There would be times that he would take me along and introduce me to other preachers or other churches just to kind of get me acquainted with the people that he associated with. Wow. And so, okay, so now uh, kind of fast forward. You're you're married. You got kids now. Are you pastoring? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, it's very interesting because um, I started uh, in in '04. I started pastoring the church that my dad started uh, when he actually started that church as a mission, and I started pastoring that church. Uh, and my dad was pastoring a different church because he couldn't go along without pastoring. He had to pastor; it was a bug in him. But um, I was pastoring the church that he started. It was there for 13 years, and uh, it was incredible because that was the church that Marshall Huddleston started. You know, that, there was a legacy behind that. And you, you took over, and you're there for 13 years, and, uh, and, and, and then something happened with your dad. Yeah, you know, my dad and I are just very close. Like I said, we, you know, would spend every Sunday together and talk and, and spend time and discuss scripture. And, you know, there was a time we were, we were back at his prayer place and we were talking. And as we got to him praying, he stood up, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, son, he said, uh, I've been diagnosed. And uh, he said, and it doesn't look good. Um, he said, I don't know if I'm going to be around that much longer. He said, but I want you uh, to stay steady and preach the word. And uh, that was tough for me. Now, uh, how, now, he's how old and how old are you? Um, so um, he was uh, 70 at the time. Uh, so um, that was about, um, so that was back in 2014. So that was five years ago. Um, yeah, so I was uh, 37 at the time, 37, 38. And what's going through your mind? Your dad's terminally ill. Yeah. What is going through your mind? Well, the first thing is, is this can't be real. 
right? You know, because my dad is, he's everywhere. He's preaching. There's so much God's called him to do. There's so many things that God is doing in his life that this, this certainly there's a mistake, that this, this can't be the real thing. Uh, I had a hard time really accepting that. And, and, but fast forward, um, how many months later your dad passes away? Um, it was a little over a year. No, actually, um, that, uh, that my dad finally succumbed to that. And um, that was tough for me because um, my dad had always been there. You know, I mean, he was there when I announced my calling to preach. He was there when I preached my first message. I was there when I preached my first revival. I mean, just wherever I was, he was there. He was always supporting me, and I looked to him for leadership. He was always in front of me, and it was, it was so difficult when that was not the case anymore, when I looked in front of me and he wasn't there. Yeah, I, I mean, what you're describing, I think every son is looks to their dad and wants there to be leadership, wants there to be some guidance and shepherding, even when we're adult men. Yeah. I mean, I think of my dad. My dad is almost, he's going to turn 80 this year, and I still look to my dad as uh, an incredible patriarch who I, I need some guidance and wisdom. I need to ask dad about this. Absolutely. But um, as, as your dad has gone to be with the Lord, there began to be a stirring in your heart. Talk about that. Yeah, so yeah, with, with us making a trip every Sunday back to our prayer place, um, after my dad passed away, it took me about two or three weeks to get back there. Um, I wanted to go visit that place again, but it was so sentimental. It was hard. I eventually made it back, and um, I walked down to our prayer place, and there it was, you know, the tree with our initials carved in it, and I knelt down to pray, and, and my prayer was, God, would you make me the kind of man my dad was? Would you make me that? That was my prayer, and um, I don't know if, you've, if you, you can probably relate to this, but when you pray something, it's really not God's will. It's just, that's, that's not what God is asking you to pray. It's almost like you're up against a wall. I just felt this is not the prayer I'm needing to be praying. I, I like it. It feels good, you know, on in mind, but this is not the prayer I need to pray. It just didn't feel right. There was something more. There was something more. So I got up and I, I walked around the pond a couple times just thinking, what do I need to pray? I can't leave without without getting through here. Something needs to happen. So I went back to the—and then it came to me. As I walked back over to the third place, it came to me exactly what I needed to pray. And so I, I got down. I had a little rock right there. My dad had, had a little piece of board he knelt on. So I, I knelt down my, my normal place on the ground and, and prayed. And I said, God, would you make me the person you had in mind when you formed me? Would you make me that person? And that's when the floodgates opened. I mean, mm. that's when I just felt it. It's almost as God put his hand on me and said, now that's what I've been waiting for you to say. Uh, I mean, it, it's okay to be, become in many ways like your dad, but the Lord has something much more yeah i little did i know at that point what that was going to, what that was going to entail as far as being the person god called me to be but i was willing to do whatever it took yeah i mean the bible says um don't pray that you become like your dad the bible says to pray you know we're to be conformed into the image of christ exactly and um and so uh now your eyes are beginning to open to something that had never dawned upon you before. Yeah, exactly. Talk, talk about that. Well, you know, I didn't really understand what that meant, to be who God formed me to be. I, I didn't know what the, I just knew it felt right. And so all I knew to do was what my dad had taught me to do. Uh, my dad had always taught me. He said, son, the answers are always in the Scripture. 
every Sunday we'd walk over the hill, and if I had questions, he would point to Scripture. He'd say, right, here it is. It's in the Scripture. And we talked about that all the time. So I used what my dad taught me. Um, and actually, it's 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 almost as if God, you know, said, hey, you know, uh, Marshall, you're not done yet. There's one more thing I need you to do. And um, it's the lessons he taught me just resurfaced in my heart of, okay, let's search the Scripture so that I can be the person God has chosen me to be, what he's formed me to be. And that was a two-year journey for me. So, so um, and then kind of fast forward, you're in a store, and you encountered a couple. Um, was it uh, the Home, De- Home Depot? Yeah, it was. There, there's a couple of things that kind of led up to that. <laughs> That kind of get that kind of get to that point. Okay, so before the Home Depot story, tell us what led up to the Home Depot well, story. So you know, <laughs> you go to two, you go two years, you know, searching Scripture, trying to figure out, and and the more I search Scripture, the more I realized that this was not the direction where I was going presently was not where God wanted me to be. I was pastoring the church my dad had started, um, and I realized one Sunday morning. Uh, that God instructed me that this is not the correct path. I do not need to be pastoring this church. He's called me a different direction. That Sunday morning, he told me. That Sunday morning, I told the church. And I said, God has called me a different direction. So there's a lot of broken hearts, no anger, a lot of broken hearts, but um, I didn't know what that meant for me. I just knew this wasn't the direction. Mm -hmm. And so for the next two years, I visited churches within our denomination, within our association, trying to find where I could fit and the more God showed me in the Scripture of who I was formed to be, and it cut out a lot of traditions, it cut out a lot of things I was used to, but I began to realize that, hey, every one of these places I'm going, nothing fits here. I'm just, I'm just not finding who I need to be. That was my two-year journey of frustration, of trying, just like a void, just not knowing where I need to be, and that kind of leads up to where I'm at now. So we're going to take a break and come back in our next segment, and we're going to talk more about a, a very faithful trip to Home Depot. But one thing that Adam's eyes was open to is one word, it's a word you may not be familiar with if you've not grown up in or been around church, and it's the word legalism. And so Adam's eyes were opened to see some things in his life and his denomination's life that he had a lot of religion, but there was something lacking. So we're going to take a break and come back in the next couple segments and unpack that here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Satter, we are here with Adam Huddleston, and we are talking about his journey with his earthly father and his heavenly father. And in our last segment, we just talked about how his uh, father had passed away, and boy, that really kind of sent Adam off onto a journey. And uh, if you want to hear that in its in, in its entirety, in other past segments of our of this show or any other show, you can go to SoundCloud, iTunes, or you can go to our Facebook page and just type in Solid Steps Radio, and you can hear all those shows in their entirety. Thanks to great sponsors like Frank Enterprises. Those guys. If you have any septic tank issues, water drainage issues outside your home or around your house, Frank Enterprises can take care of that. Kurt Frank and his crew are experts at that. And also Bright Star Home Care. Bright Star is an organization that helps folks. If you know someone who needs to have care for a loved one, whether it's an elderly loved one who needs once a week for somebody to stop by or need, need 24-7 care, Bright Star Home Care uh, serves people in that capacity. So we want to thank those two great sponsors for our show to be able to bring us the show and also have it commercial-free on our podcast. So, Adam, you are, uh, 
you know, your dad passes away, there begins to be a wrestling in your spirit. And you begin to pray this prayer of, uh, you know, God, help me to be the man that you have w- want me to be, that you called me to be. Yeah. Uh, des- describe to our listeners what is, what's, what's that stirring and what's going on? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when, when God, when I felt like God wanted me to be the person that he, he saw when he formed me, you know, what did he have in mind when he formed me? And that's what I was trying to figure out. Those, those. So as my dad had taught me to study Scripture and to just understand what God's will is, and so I, I took that advice and just started going through the Scripture. And and all this time while I was studying, I was still going to churches. I was preaching at churches. I, I pastored for another three months after my dad passed away, and um, and then I end up resigning that church. Um, feel like God was calling me in a different direction. Didn't know what yet. Everybody was asking me, "Where are you going to pastor now?" Where? where you? I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm I'm just on a journey right now. I need to figure out. And I would go to different churches. I would preach at different churches. And um, as I started studying what I believed, um, I, I broke it down into, okay, what is tradition, and then what is actually doctrine, you know, of the of the Bible and what God teaches. What what is right. Truly in the Word of God, and what is more traditional, yeah. but, you know, m- more man-made. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, for for all my life, you know, up almost forty years, I had never seen this. But as I began to study it out, God began to reveal to me that there was a lot of things I was doing in life that He hadn't called me to do. I had just picked that up because of tradition. And uh, because that's all I knew, that's all I saw, it's all I was raised with. And, and so as I studied for the next two years, every tradition that I had, if I couldn't base it off the Scripture, if it, if it wasn't based on God's Word and His will, I just threw it out. Uh, and so that created kind of an issue because I would go to churches that um, I didn't support that anymore, and they did. Can you, can you give us some examples of what that looks like? Well, I'll tell you one example is um, the church where I pastored is, is we did not uh, believe in people raising your hands in worship. Um, you keep your hands down. It was very meek uh, and humble worship, and, and everybody just kind of stayed in their seat, or they you know had their hymn book, and they sang. Um, but... I was pastoring a church, and as I stood behind the pulpit, there was a lady there that was not a member of our church, obviously, um, and she came in, and she raised her hand in worship, and I looked over at uh, at the deacon at the church, and I kind of motioned for him with my hand and, and nodded my head, and he went over to her, and uh, he sat down and gently grabbed her arm and pulled it down and whispered in her ear and said, we don't do that here. Um, if you're going to continue to do that, you need to leave. And I was advocating that. Um, that's something that I had instructed that deacon to do if that ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if a person, you know, was to come into church and um, was to try to act up and get their body into um, worship, you know, really get into worship, we pretty much shut that person down. Um, they could be in the middle of singing a song and getting full of worship and all that, and we would say, I would say, okay, um, song leader, get you another song and let's go. While that person is still worshiping, um, because I did not want the church to to see that happening, because I felt like that was not the way God intended it. And these were things that was not Bible based. Um, uh, as I began to realize that there's nowhere in the Bible God said, don't do that. <laughs> 
God never fact, said, don't let people worship with your body. He never said that. And so, but in I fact, had you, it, you found the opposite, that the Bible does say raise holy hands. Yeah, yeah, I found all that. And of course, people had tried to show me that before, but as I was a good student of Scripture, I always had an answer. I always had an answer why that was not the case. Mm. But once I finally opened it up and laid all my cards on the table and said, God, I know nothing. Would you show me what is right? Um, as if I'm, you know, just a person starting school and education, would you show me? And that's when I began to see these things. And so when I saw this happening in the church as I was going to and preaching it after uh, my dad passed away, I began to realize that's how I was. This is not right. I, I don't agree with this. And I was very uncomfortable with it. My mom and different people began to ask, what's wrong with you? How come you're, you don't seem like you're comfortable anymore? And I said, I'm not comfortable anymore. And I would express some things that I had issues with. And Can you give us maybe another example? Yeah. So um, another thing was um, everybody that... Um, Everybody that prayed, we had to make sure everybody was on their knees in prayer uh, at an altar, which is perfectly fine to pray that way, perfectly fine. But if anybody ever sat in their seat um, and did not get down the altar and pray unless it was medically necessary um, and didn't do that, then we looked on them as what is wrong with that person? Mm. Why did they not get down? As And even people would say, well, I don't have to be on my knees to pray. And we would say, yeah, that's the way God expects you is to humble yourself on your knees and pray every time. And uh, like I said, nothing wrong with being on your knees, but we felt that we had to push that. And there were things like that um, about what you had to wear when you came to church. Um, If there was somebody, um, especially the the ladies, you know, if they did not wear, you know, a skirt or a dress to church, um, then it was my or the deacon's duty to inform them the next time that they come that they need to make sure and dress appropriately. Wow. And uh, just things like that. And as I looked in the scriptures, I thought, where is this? You know, where is this? You know, and I could... I could probably try to rest a scripture and try to make it sound right, but um, as I began to search it, it just didn't fit. These were not things God was teaching, and I become more and more uncomfortable within my denomination. And and your eyes are really opening to this is really a form of legalism. Yeah, it is. I didn't understand the word legalism. If you had asked me back then, uh, "Are you legalistic?" I would have had no clue. I didn't. I didn't know what that term meant. Um, I just knew that this. I had always thought this is the way it's supposed to be. If you don't go along with that, you need to find someplace else to go. And that's how I had always thought it was supposed to be. But as I began to search that out, and my family was getting restless too. My wife and my kids, they they didn't like, they understood. Long before I did, actually, I was the stick in the mud. But they were the ones that, this is not right, Adam. I just don't feel comfortable. My daughter was falling asleep in church. I mean, there was just so much that was just not there. Um, and at, at, at the end of that two-year journey, I just began to find myself that everywhere I went, I dreaded going. On the way there, I dreaded going. Um, I didn't get much when I was there. And on the way home, I was desperate trying to find some place to go. I was traveling to every church I could think of in our denomination. Is there something that's not like this? And, and, and then what? Then what happened? So I finally got at the, at the after a two-year journey, um, it, I had no place else to go. There was no other place I could think of to go. And so I asked the God the question, question that I was really afraid to ask. Um, it was, you always have those questions. You're like, what if God says yes? So I, I asked him, I said, uh, I was on my knees um, in my bedroom, and I said, God, do I need to look outside my own denomination, which is something I've never done in my lifetime. 
do I need to look outside my own denomination? And I felt a resounding yes. It was just like when I prayed, God, would you make me the person you formed me to be? It felt the exact same way. That was the right prayer to pray. It's almost like God again put his hand on me and said, there you go. That's what I was waiting for. Mm. So that uh, that really helped me just to understand that, um, you know, maybe I need to look outside this a little bit. So that left me in a very... Um, a place where I didn't know what to do because all I ever knew is my denomination. Where do I go from here? So you had no other place to go, so you went to Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> That's eventually how it worked out. Yeah. So, so yeah. So what happened at Home Depot? So you know, after after you know, two days. This was two days after I prayed that prayer. Would you just show me, you know, out outside of my denomination, what I need to do? And so I went to Home Depot, and um, there was a lady that was in an aisle there, and she was looking for a screen door. And uh, so I happened to be walking down the same aisle, and she was walking back and forth. So I thought, well, maybe I'll help her. And I asked her what size door she's looking for, and sure enough, it wasn't in stock. So I showed her online on my phone. I said, here's where you can you can find this. Uh, you can order it online. She said, oh, that's great. Thank you. She said, could you come talk to my husband? He's in the next aisle trying to find the right size door. <laughs> so I walked over to the next aisle, and I started talking with him, and very nice guy. And I started talking with him, and uh, somehow, somehow, the the conversation moved over to church, and we started talking about God. I don't remember exactly how it got there. We started talking about God, and he started describing his church, and uh, and he said he said something that caught my attention. He said, Adam, he said, I love my church. He said, I just feel like when I go there, I feel like I can be the person. Uh, I can be the person that God wanted me to be, the, the person He saw when He formed me. And that's I said, your, that, that's I, your prayer. <laughs> I said, what would you just say? And he said, I just feel like I can be the person that, that God called me to be when he formed me. And I said, please tell me where you go to church. Please tell me. I've got to know. And uh, so he told me where it was. And uh, and, uh, and he introduced himself as, as Dave and his wife's name was Beth. And, and um, that's kind of where the, it turned right there. That was where God was guiding me. It was just an amazing, amazing experience. So, um, and uh, Dave and Beth are Dave and Beth Stone. And uh, Dave has been the pastor. He's been actually uh, just stepped down to not really retire, but to kind of shift directions after 30 years of being at Southeast Christian Church. And uh, Dave's been, you know, Chad and my pastor, and I've been on staff with Dave for 15 years at Southeast. So little did you know, you didn't even know who this was. I, I didn't know. This is just a guy who's sharing his faith in yes. his church with you, and you, you didn't know he was the pastor, a preacher talking to a preacher Mm-mm. in an aisle. No. And we're going to come back in the next segment and talk about uh, Adam's journey into a world that he was preached against his entire life and how God brought him into that to actually bring him closer to him. So we're going to take a break. Be back on the fourth and final segment on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you missed the first three, you missed a lot. We're talking to Adam Huddleston, and he's talking about his father, who was a uh, Marshall Huddleston, a, a preacher within a specific denomination. And uh, when we last left uh, Adam, he was standing in Home Depot. But uh, <laughs> we don't want you to be left hanging. Uh, if you ever need to know what's going on in the community around Louisville, Kentucky, uh, Southeast Christian has a Southeast Outlook, and it's a article-based uh, and story-driven uh, publication that just talks about what is God doing in His kingdom all around the city of Louisville. So Southeast And Outlook. around the world. Yeah, really? around the world, absolutely. And also, in our studio today, we have Southern Smoke Barbecue, and we will post <laughs> pictures. And I'm telling you this. 
you know it's good barbecue when it's 9.45 in the morning, there is no barbecue sauce, there is no buns, there is no side dishes, and we are chomping on this barbecue. It is some of the best tasting barbecue I have ever had. Southern Smoke Barbecue. It's southernsmokecatering.com. Southernsmokecatering.com. It's a sponsor of our show. Chris Hadley just brought us some brisket, and I'm telling you, it is it's fantastic. Not, it's the best brisket I have ever had, and I love me some brisket. So we want to thank Southern Smoke Catering uh, for bringing in some brisket for us this morning. Okay, so yeah, that's some really good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam, you even had some. So yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> it was fantastic. So Adam, okay, fast forward. Uh, this preacher invites you to his church. Yeah. Uh, what happens? Yeah, so, yeah, he just, he invited me out. One of the things he said to me uh, in Home Depot, he said, Adam, he said, there's a lot of good churches in town. He said, but we would love for you to come out and see us sometime. And that was something I would never say as a pastor. I would say, hey, you need to come to my church. (laughs) You know, so it really made a difference (laughs) in me. And so, yeah, I actually fought it for another, you know, three or four weeks at least uh, going out there because I was so scared of of going to something that was totally outside my comfort zone. I'd never been to a church like that. I'd actually stood behind the pulpit and preached against big churches because I thought they're all about money, you know, and all about the numbers game. It's a, a lot of misconceptions, and so 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 the the, the whole fear thing. Uh, describe that a little bit more. Yeah, so the you know raised in forty years in one denomination, mm. you know, and you and and you picture yourself you're behind you're behind the pulpit going to every church telling why this denomination is the denomination why this is the this is God's denomination this is the way it's set up you know and that everything else outside of that is misguided. You know, and so you you do that, and then here you are. You're willing to go outside of that after you've preached this. You know, I've been preaching since I was 18, and now I was almost 40. I preached this for this long, and I'm willing to go outside of that. What is everybody going to think? What is everybody going to say? My family was fully supportive. They they were anxious to go. I was the stick in the mud, but. Um, it took me a while to finally come to grips and say, okay, I just need to do this. And, and what really was the, 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 the thing that really triggered that was I remember the prayer that I prayed when I said, when I asked God, do I need to look outside my denomination? And of course it was a resounding yes. My immediate question was, what would my dad think? And that was important to me. And, and I remember before the question even finished getting out of my mouth, I felt the answer was that he understands now. And that was good. That was totally it. I've never mm. had a problem with that since. I put it behind me. I said, okay, I'm good to go. Um, and, uh, of course, I fought it for a few weeks, but eventually, you know, I went out there, um, and it was totally different than anything I've ever experienced. Uh, it was very different. And so... Um, but there to, was something alive in that, that, that happened within you. There was. Um, they, you know, I felt like I was in prison. I felt like, you know, for all these years that I had imprisoned myself into a lot of do's and don'ts and regulations, and I was seeing that now. I hadn't seen that before, but I felt like that God was opening my prison door and allowing me and my family to get out and be alive, and this was our opportunity. It was a dynamic shift in our life. It was something that took a two-year journey for me to finally come to this point and say, okay, I'm ready to take that step, and uh, when I did, when I did take that step, I remember walking in and there were all the things that I had preached against, right? So um, people, you know, did wear pretty much whatever they wanted to wear, you know, different things that they were, they were wearing. It wasn't, it wasn't the strict dress code that I was used to. Um, and I saw that and I walked in, they had a cafe. Um, and no, 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 I remember 
preaching against that. It's, it's just a sanctuary. You don't have places, you know. There were so many things going on that I just had to keep walking. And I'm thinking, this is where God is leading me. I just, I just, I know this is where I need to go. A lot of things I was still fighting past. And, and I remember getting into the worship. And wouldn't you know it, people were raising their hands all over the place. And, um, and it's amazing that uh, I, uh, I, I, of course, I had to just focus um, but you know what really hit me was the first song that they sang. I love this. <laughs> the first song they sang. It it was almost like you know, God looked down and, and he said, "Hey, you know what? My my son Adam, he's he, he and his family are here. I want to welcome them. Make sure they feel at home." And they sang nothing but the blood of Jesus. And the old great hymn. Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite songs. And, and for them to sing that, it just. It really just helped me calm down quite a bit and realize that, hey, you know, God is here. God is here. And, you know, there was a lot of things I had to get used to. It was a, a lot different coming into that environment. And um, Adam, you mentioned in the break um, that there was there was some real Phariseeism in your life. But God was calling you uh, not to do's and don'ts and and. Um, but a, a true relationship with yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as I look back on it now, I realize that I was just bound by religion. Um, mm. Even though I had preached against religion, I was still bound by it because um, I had put God in a box and said, this is how he operates, and everybody needs to be in the box with him. Um, and I look back on it now, and I thought, how have I misguided so many people in that way and misguided me and my family and so many opportunities we've missed? And now that the prison door is open, I found that there is a relationship with God. It's not just studying His Scripture, even though that's great and understanding the Scripture. God wants to know me whether I know one word in the Bible or not. God wants to know me and love me and be with me and be near me. And I experienced a closeness and aliveness in Jesus Christ that I have never experienced in my life. Mm. And my family was able to experience that with me. It was truly amazing. You know, um, that's the Bible says that when we draw near to him, not in do's and don'ts, but in just coming near to him in a relationship that he comes near to us. Yeah. Um, Adam, uh, this is uh, Father's Day weekend. Just take a couple minutes uh, or a minute or so to just talk to the dads out there in what you've learned and experienced in the last uh, couple years. Absolutely. So I realized that um, even though I'm a dad, um, that my children are God's children too. And God has loaned them to me. Um, and so I've been given a great charge over that, uh, and I want to take that very responsibly. And, you know, when my daughter is falling asleep in church, um, I look back on that and I think, what was I doing? It was all about me. I was, I was in there trying to preach, and my daughter just had to get used to it. But now, now I see her actually standing on a stage leading worship. Oh, my gosh. You know, just to see her moving and just the power, and, and it's just amazing what God can do. And my family is so alive and so free. And just being able to be an example, I was standing just with my daughter the other day, and you know what she was doing while she was worshiping? She had her hands in the air. <laughs> and you know what Dad did? He did the same thing. Mm. And as I stood there and I worshiped with my hands in the air and I was praising God the way that God intended and began to praise God, and as my daughter looked at me and hugged me, as she has several times, you know, just 
it's just amazing that God has given us such a calling. And dads, God has given us such a calling out there. We get one chance at this. We get one chance to make it right. And let's do it the way God intended it to, because God's plan is flawless. It's flawless. It is about a relationship, not just a father-daughter relationship, but a heavenly father and daughter relationship too. Yeah, when we seek him, when we pursue him, when we love him, what Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, that's and, and to model that for our kids. Wow, no greater, no greater calling, really. It's amazing. Yeah, and just let yourself free, get yeah. free. Adam, thanks you so much for coming and being on the show. Thanks for sharing your story. Hey, would you uh, just pray for us real quickly? Pray for us guys that we would be the dads that God calls us to be. All right, Heavenly Father, I I, I want to I want to make sure that uh, every dad understands here. This is a huge calling that we've been given, and, and it's not about trying to be the man. You know, it's not about trying to be bigger and better. It's not about not allowing people to see hurt. But, Lord, that we might have a true, real relationship with you, God. And it's not bound up in a rule. It's not bound up on how many people it's, go with you. It's not bound up on the things you do or don't do. But to be able to stand there and worship you the way you intended when you formed us, when you formed us men, you gave us a job to do and help us to do that with all our heart. I I call on you to raise the awareness of men out there that they lead a family. They've called to lead that family and to be able to help their families understand that it's not about religion, that it's not about what you do or don't do. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ from religion to a relationship. Mm. Help them to see it. Help them open their eyes. Even if it is a two-year journey, help them to open their eyes to be released from that prison of religion, to be released from that prison, to set them and their families free and praise you the way you intended. I thank you and I praise you and I claim all this over all the men that are hearing this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. So as this airs this Father's Day weekend, uh, boy, what a story. You've got a father who was a great father to this son. And when that father leaves, all of a sudden the son looks for direction and the father in heaven reaches down and says, son, let's go in this direction. And the truth is the father in heaven wants to father us through every aspect of our life. So if you're listening right now and you're a father, you've got a father in heaven who wants to father you as your fathering. And we just pray that you will be blessed. And we also pray that you'll pass this along to a father who needs to know that they are being fathered and loved by a father in heaven that uh, is greater and more perfect than any of us could ever be. So we just thank you for listening and hope you pass this along too and uh, enjoy Solid Steps Radio.